Hi, my name is Melissa Urban, and you're listening to Do The Thing, a podcast where we explore what's been missing every time you've tried to make a change and make it stick. Today, my very special guest is the one and only Gretchen Rubin, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, and the creator of the Four Tendencies Framework. I've been friends with Gretchen for a few years now, and we've had so many conversations about how the four tendencies fit so perfectly with the Whole30 program. Gretchen's been on tour for her newest book, but she graciously agreed to call in from the road to share for the very first time how you can hack the Whole30 based on your tendency and provide specific tips for upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels to maximize Whole30 success. Before I introduce Gretchen, although she needs no introduction in this room, let me tell you a little bit about her. Gretchen Rubin, pronouns she, her, is the author of several books, including Outer Order, Inner Calm, the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, Happier at Home, and The Four Tendencies. Her books have sold more than 3.5 million copies worldwide in more than 30 languages. On her weekly podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, she discusses good habits and happiness with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Gretchen started her career in law and was clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when she realized she wanted to be a writer. She lives in New York City with her husband and two daughters. Everyone, welcome Gretchen Rubin to Do The Thing. I am so happy to be talking to you. We've been talking about this for so long. You were one of the first interviews on the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Maybe you were the first. Um, and I've been so excited for you to have a podcast. I cannot wait to listen. And I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have been talking about this for a long time. And it's finally here. And I finally get to have the conversation with you about the four tendencies as it pertains to the Whole30. But before we jump into all that, at the beginning of every podcast, I ask every guest, Gretchen, what's your thing? You know, my thing right now is silence. I've been on a book tour, which I love. I, I love getting to talk to people and meet people and catch up with friends and travel around and meet booksellers and podcast listeners. And I love doing that. But I also am a person who needs a lot of silence, and I'm kind of starved for silence. So I need to, when this book tour is over, really push myself to carve out the silence to bring myself back into equilibrium. I love it. And I bet that knowing your tendency has a lot to do with knowing that you need silence right now after this big book tour. Yes, and I know how I need to do it, which is I just need to block off big chunks of time on my calendar and just be like... Reading, writing, and no appointments, no meetings, no talking, no friends, no podcasts, no, you know, just words on a page and my own thoughts. Um, and I can't wait. Yes, because <laughs> if we block it off yeah. as upholders, we're going to do it. We're going to hold to it. Yes. So tell us about the four tendencies. Yes, this is a personality framework that I developed um, to explain patterns that I saw in why people act and why they don't act. Um, because sometimes you, like we're puzzled by ourselves. We're like, this is really important to me. I don't understand why I'm not able to follow through. Sometimes I follow through, sometimes I don't. Or I'm trying to help somebody else follow through. And I, I'm not doing it in an effective way. I want to be more effective. Um, and so the four tendencies is a framework to help you like pinpoint how people are alike and how they're different in a way that allows you to see how to more effectively set things up in a way that allows you to keep your promises to yourself. 
Yes. When I first read The Four Tendencies, and I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy before it was published, it was the kind of thing where I read it and I thought, A, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever read. B, this is so <laughs> obvious. Like, why didn't why didn't I think of it? Why didn't someone else think of this already? Like, it's so perfectly obvious in terms of helping us implement change. How did you come up with The Four Tendencies? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that it's obvious because I agree. And one of the things that's funny is once you know the framework and we'll talk about like who, like who's which of the four tendencies, you see it all around you. You see it on television shows. You see it in coworkers. You see it in yourself. Like you, you, it's, it's very blatant. It's not a subtle thing. Like, Ooh, you know, what's, you know, some, some personality profiles, like kind of everybody sort of fits into everyone. Um, and the, the way I got my first kind of inkling that there was something to analyze and to try to understand was when a friend of mine said something, and I'm sure, Melissa, you've heard a version of this a million times. She said, the thing that's weird is I know I would be happier if I exercised. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? And I thought, well, why? Because it's the same person. It's the same behavior. At one time, she effortlessly followed through and now she's really struggling. How do you explain the difference. That makes complete sense. There are so many times, whether it's with the Whole30 or any habit change, and it's really the whole premise of this podcast based on my experience with the Whole30 and my experience with recovery and addiction. We want to do something. We know we need to do it. It seems like the stars are aligned in some cases that we can do it, right? With running, all you have to do is put your running shoes on, go outside and spend 20 minutes doing it, but we're not doing it and we don't know why. And it is entirely possible that knowing your tendency and applying the framework is what has been missing with your ability to change your habits, especially your ability to succeed with the Whole30. So I want to talk about each of the four tendencies. Can you give me an overview of what they are and what they mean when it comes to inner and outer expectations? Absolutely. So the four tendencies is a framework that divides people into four categories. Upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. And um, what this looks at is it's a very narrow but significant aspect of your personality. It's looking at how you respond to expectations. And all of us face two kinds of expectations, outer expectations, a work deadline, a request from a friend, and inner expectations, my own desire to stick to Whole30, my own desire to keep a New Year's resolution. So depending on how the combination of outer and inner, that's what makes you an upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel. Now, I'm going to explain the four, and most people don't even need to take a quiz. There is a quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com, and it's free and quick, and like 2 million people have taken this quiz. But like I say, and I think, Melissa, this is your experience. Like, you often don't need to take the quiz. You're like, oh, yeah, I totally know what I am, just from a brief description. (laughs) So upholders are people who readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they stick to all 30 Pretty easily. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. So their motto is, discipline is my freedom. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their standard, they'll stick to it. If it fails their standard, they will push back. They resist anything arbitrary, unjustified, inefficient. They love to customize. They want to make things just right for them. They need to have reasons. So their motto is, I'll comply once you convince me why. Then there are obligers. And obligers are like my friend on the track team. 
they readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So they, like my friend had no trouble running when she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up. But when she was just trying to go running on her own, she struggled. Oh, and their motto is, um, you can count on me and I'm counting on you to count on me. And then there are rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they choose to do. They can do anything they want to do. Um, They often love a challenge. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't like to tell themselves what to do, like take a 10 a.m. spin class on Saturdays because they're like, I don't know what I'm going to want to do at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And just knowing somebody wants me to show up is sort of bugging me. And their motto is, you can't make me, and neither can I. (laughs) I find rebels the most confounding of the tendency, probably because I'm an upholder. And of course, once you realize what your tendency is, it makes it very obvious to see why other tendencies are so confusing for you. Like, I'm an upholder. I don't understand why you can't just do it. It's not hard. Just do it. And knowing this framework and understanding how everybody responds differently allows you to be a better leader and a better motivator, whether it's your family, your uh, work employees, or if you're leading a community like I am. Yes. In your experience, does everyone fall into one of these four tendencies? Like, has anyone come to you and you've said, oh boy, maybe you're outside of this framework? You know, for the most part, I think people really do fall into this framework. And um, I think it's inborn. It's not something that you're raised to. It's something that um, just part of hardwired is your personality. Um, and people really do fit within one. And if you feel like you're one of each, you're probably a questioner because questioners feel like, because they're like, when it makes sense, I act like an upholder. And when it makes sense, I act like a rebel. You're doing what makes sense to you. So that makes you a questioner. Um, so feeling like you're all four is a sign of questioner. Now, each of the tendencies overlaps with two tendencies. So like you and I are both upholders. Well, upholders are like questioners and that both tendencies meet inner expectations. But upholders are also like obligers and that both of those tendencies respond to outer expectations. And so you can be an upholder who's more like a questioner or an upholder who's more like an obliger. And that kind of colors how it comes out. But I do think that people really do fit squarely within one. That makes complete sense. And I am a uh, upholder with a side of questioner. Uh, Obviously, that makes total sense to me. And is one of the four tendencies like more popular than the others? Do Do most people fall into one tendency? That is a great question because, yes, the biggest tendency is obliger. You either are an obliger or you have many obligers in your life. Um, And a lot of times obligers think that what they experience is just human nature. They're like, why is it that busy parents like us can't make time for ourselves? And they think that's just like part of being a parent because that's an obliger struggle, but it feels ubiquitous because a lot of people are obligers. After that is questioner. Mm -hmm. That's also a big category. The smallest one, although it's quite conspicuous, is rebel. And then the upholder tendency is just slightly larger than the rebels. Fantastic. And your uh, friend who was running track with a group when her team expected her to show up and then had a hard time getting out and running on her own was an example of that obliger tendency. Yes, because the key thing for obligers, and this is maybe the most important thing from the Four Tendencies Framework and the Four Tendencies book, the thing that I think has been one of the most important revelations for people is if you're an obliger and you want to meet an inner expectation, you have to have a system of outer accountability. If you want to read more, join a book group. If you want to exercise more, work out with a trainer, work out with a friend who's going to be annoyed if you don't show up. Think of your duty to be a role model to other people. Think of your duty to your future self. 
there's all different kinds of account of outer accountability and different obligers will respond to different forms of outer accountability. But what they share is that they need outer accountability. So sometimes obligers want to whip themselves into a frenzy of motivation. Like I just need to get motivated. I just need to focus on what I want. And then it doesn't, it doesn't work. So they're, they're like, and I'm sure you've seen this where people are just, they're flooded with desire to reach an aim and they don't understand why that's not turning into action. But with, if you're an obliger and you're experiencing that, outer accountability is what will allow you to follow through. Yes, I love it. Gretchen, after the break, when we come back, I'm going to ask you about your best tips for succeeding on the whole 30, specifically as an upholder, yes. a questioner, an obliger, and a rebel. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of your best recommendations for hacking the whole 30, according to your tendency, <laughs> when we come back. We're back with Gretchen Rubin, and she's about to talk about how to hack the Whole30 based on each of the four tendencies. So we're going to start with my tendency and your tendency, the upholders. (laughs) What is your relationship to the Whole30 if you are an upholder? So probably upholders have uh, among the easiest times with something like this. Upholders tend to love to execute. Um, They're really good at if they sort of make up their mind, put something on the calendar, it on the to-do list, it's pretty easy for them to follow through. Um, it's also pretty easy for them to uh, hold on to an inner expectation, even when it conflicts with outer expectations. Um, there's kind of a coldness to upholders where it's like, oh, you know, this is so lovely. You you bake these cupcakes yourself. They look so good. But, you know, I'm doing whole 30, so I'm not eating this. To an upholder, that feels appropriate because it's like, well, I need to keep to what's right for me. Whereas like an obliger might feel a lot of like, oh, how can, you know, it's hard for me to disappoint you. It's hard for me to, if you expect me to eat it and that's coming to me from the outside, it's hard for me to meet my inner expectations um, unless I figure out how to do that. So that can be easy for upholders. It almost seems like the Whole30 was written for and by (laughs) upholders because it was. I wrote the rules before I had any idea of the Four Tendencies framework. And if you go back to the very beginning in the 2009 Whole30 program rules, I literally wrote, this is not hard. Like you can, if you can't manage this for 30 days, go somewhere else. Cause I have a bunch of people who, you know, can do it and who want to do it and who are going to do it. And I had no, I mean, I was not aware of the other tendencies and that I had to speak to all four of them at once. And of course, as the program has grown and as I've grown and developed, I've worked, you know, language to appeal to the other tendencies into the framework. But in the beginning, it was basically, it's 30 days, do it. Peace out. I'll talk to you at day 31. (laughs) Well, and I think you raise a very crucial point, which is, it's very easy to forget that other people have different struggles and challenges and strengths. And that if you're only talking to the people who are like you, because you assume that everyone's like you, then then your message is not going to be received as effectively, because it's just easy to assume that other people see the world the way we do. We don't even realize we are seeing the world in in a specific way. We think, well, this is just the way the world is. I mean, it's very hard to remember that people just can have a different view and it can be very pervasive and hard to put your finger on. Yes. And I'm very grateful that I was able to see that different messages were landing in different ways and embrace the four tendencies framework before you had even created it. But now that I know about the four tendencies, it permeates everything I do. I'm always thinking about it in terms of my support and in terms of my messaging. So for that, I'm very grateful. It sounds like the Whole30 is meant for upholders, but 
there is a dark side to being an upholder on the Whole30. And you and I have talked about this. It's why you haven't completed a Whole30 yet. Can you talk about what some of the challenges for upholders may be? Well, upholders can sometimes experience tightening. And tightening is when the rules get tighter and tighter and tighter until they can be choking. And, you know, and sometimes it's good, but sometimes it can it can be you can sort of become the mindless bureaucrat of your own paperwork. And I'm already a very low carb person. So in that way, like a lot of the whole 30 comes very naturally to me because there's a lot that I would I just don't eat at all. That are things that people would do as part of whole 30. But um, I worry that um, I could get so tightened on whole 30 and and so kind of once I got into it, I could never like proceed into kind of the maintenance, it would just start feeling like I had to be on this forever in a way that might really interfere with my ability to lead a normal life, you know, because if I get rules in my head, I start getting very, very um, bound to them. And um, so while much of it is very attractive to me, I'm wondering like, ooh, um, how would I manage kind of the, the day 33, you know, day, day 40? Mm-hmm. And that makes total sense. And it's a big part of why over the last few years, we've started to implement what I call my let good enough be good enough campaign. Yes. Where we are talking about how there is no, you like if you're trying to do the perfect whole 30, it doesn't exist. And I'm sharing my meals where they are like Applegate microwave hot dogs and leftover <laughs> like can of sweet potato because that's all I have the capacity for. Yeah. But it's still a whole 30 meal and that is good enough and it's something to be proud of. So right. that's messaging I think that will help those upholders who maybe do want to tighten on the program and take the program to what won't be a very healthy place. Right. And I think that the answer for, for upholders is always like exactly what you've done with yourself, which is to say, let me keep my eye on like my ultimate values and what I'm ultimately wanting to achieve for myself. And remember that I'm I'm the boss of me and I can tighten and loosen the rules as serves me better. And sometimes it's like, I just need to like make room in my life for this. Um, and so you're able to do that. And I, I, I think I would be able to do it too, but I, I worry that I might not be <laughs> That makes total, I mean, listen, I've had a lot of practice with this, yes. like my, especially after being introduced to the the four tendencies, I've been way more conscientious about my upholder tendencies. And there are times where I will ask myself, do I really need, like I said, I was going to do it this way, but do I really need to do it this way if it's yes. no longer serving me? And that's been a difficult lesson to learn, but one that I've been practicing. So it's always mindfulness. Yes. You know, it's always back to mindfulness. It's, you know, which is, exo- it feels like, oh my gosh, are we back to mindfulness again? But it is, it's like, understand why you're doing what you're doing and that you're choosing to do what you're doing instead of just defaulting into some kind of automatic behavior that's not what you really want. Yes. And that sounds a lot like my side of questioners. So let's talk a little bit about questioners and the Whole30. How is a questioner going to approach the program if they really want to do it and want to be successful? So questioners, it's like, why are they doing this? So they really have to be convinced about the science, the rationale, the logic, um, your authority as a someone to tell them to, to do something. In any time a questioner is sort of having trouble following through with something, I always say, now, are you really convinced this is the best thing? Or is part of you still saying like, oh, I haven't really bought in or I'm not really convinced? Now, one of the things that, that questioners often have trouble with is anything that seems arbitrary. And anytime you throw out a number, they're like, why 30? Why not 35? Why not 22? Why not 100? You know, and so you, so if you have an answer, like, let me explain from ex- my experience and the, and the research why 30 makes sense. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. That makes sense. Somebody thought this through. This is not just some random number. Um, 
And they also love to customize and they love to sort of hack themselves. And so one of the things that's very persuasive to questioners about something like Whole30 is like, this is an experiment on yourself. And once you've learned about yourself by going through this process, then going forward, you're going to be able to craft what you do in a way that's going to be much more customized for what's best for you. I'm going to take you through it in this kind of very logical, reasoned way. And this this is the knowledge that you need to move forward. So that's what allows a questioner to really bite in. Perfect. And it's funny because the first two books I wrote, it starts with food and the whole 30 are perfectly tailored to questioners yes. and upholders. So if you're an upholder and you just want to do the program, I'm going to send you to the Whole30 book. It is the step-by-step, everything you need all in one place guide to how to do the program. If you're a questioner, I'm going to send you to It Starts With Food yeah. because in that book, I explain all the science. We answer all the whys. Why 30 days? Why are yeah. we eliminating this? Why are we eating this? Why are we doing three meals a day with no snacking? Yeah. And if I can get you to understand and buy into the science and the background, yeah. then you'll feel far more prepared to do the program. Exactly. So when questioners are feeling frustrated, it's always like, back up, look at the research and reassure yourself, this is the best way for you to do this. And, and also like, try it. This is an experiment. If you don't like it, then you've learned something about yourself and you can move on. But just this is why this is going to work for you right now. Yes. And that last piece of advice, I think, is so helpful because questioners have the tendency to have paralysis uh, by analysis where they're doing so much digging and researching that they never actually do the thing. Exactly. You know, don't get it with the whole like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't get it perfect. Get it going. Like, Try something, see if it works. Even if it doesn't work, you learn more from yourself than if you're just stalling out, spinning out with like looking for the perfect thing. Um, And a year goes by and you haven't done anything. It's always more efficient to do something now and learn than it is to just wait for the perfect solution. Because a lot of times we just don't have perfect solutions. And your husband is a questioner. And sometimes you as the upholder are the one giving him the nudge to say, okay, we've researched new refrigerators long (laughs) enough. Can we please just like pull the trigger? So maybe leaning on your upholder friends is a good thing to do too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to take one more break. After this break, I want you to explain uh, the obliger tendency and the rebel tendency when it comes to the Whole30. Now, obligers who are listening, you've listened this far. We fully expect you to continue listening to figure out how to hack <laughs> your tendency for the Whole30. Rebels, I don't actually care if you finish listening or not. You probably don't want to do it anyway. The Whole30 is probably too hard. So, you know, you can stick around or not. It doesn't matter to me. We'll be back after the break. All right. Welcome back to Gretchen Rubin on Do The Thing. We've been talking about how to hack the Whole30 to maximize success based on your tendency. And Gretchen's four tendencies framework, we're about to start talking about obligers, the biggest population group in terms of the four tendencies. Gretchen, what can obligers do to ensure success with the Whole30? So obligers, to meet an inner expectation like something like Whole30, obligers need outer accountability. That is just the way. And sometimes obligers don't want, they were like, they're like, I don't want to depend on outer accountability. I want to just do it for myself. It's like, nah, let's get outer accountability. That's the easy way to do it. So there's so many ways with Whole30 that you could get outer accountability. I mean, you could have an accountability group where people are going through it together and you're holding each other accountable. 
You could think of your duty to be a role model for other people. You you want to model for your family that you're going to do this. You know, um, there's so many ways with Whole30 that you could get outer accountability. Um, but you just need to make sure that that outer accountability is there um, because it's, it's crucial. That's perfect. And there's so much we have done with the Whole30 to ensure that obligers have that outer expectation met. So the first thing we do is we tell them, tell someone you're doing the Whole30, get that accountability. We had a nudge text service back in January where at the, you know, you got a text every single morning from me encouraging you on the Whole30. And at the end of every night, you had to say, yes, I completed my Whole30 or no, I chose not to stick to the program today. And knowing that I was going to be watching for your response was huge. The Whole30 coaching program, where you can sign up with a coach, is another way that you can get accountability. So knowing that so many people are obligers, we've created a ton of resources to help you meet those outer expectations. What are some challenges for obligers on the Whole30? One thing about obligers is that sometimes like different forms of accountability will work for some obligers and not others. So for instance, some people might really respond to the text and, and some like they have to actually have a person um, that they know who's, who's holding them accountable. So if you're an obliger and something's not working, there's other things that you can try. Like, for example, when some obligers pay for things, that makes them feel like, oh, well, I have to go because I paid for it. For some obligers, feeling like they paid almost makes them feel like they're off the hook. So I think and this is part of why your program has lots of options, because it's like, even if something doesn't work for you, there's other things that you can try. And so don't be surprised if some of them kind of fall flat for you and some really resonate and help you stick to it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Another thing, and I wonder if you've seen this, and it's, it's something that can be very, very frustrating to obligers, is that sometimes with obligers, they will meet, 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 meet expectations, and then suddenly they will snap, and they will say, this I will not do. And it's when they're feeling kind of ignored or neglected or taken advantage of or exploited. And it's a way to kind of blast them out of a situation um, that, when there's too much pressure for them. This is obliger rebellion. And sometimes it can be beneficial, mm -hmm. but sometimes it can be very destructive. And what I've seen is that for some obligers, when they feel like there's no place in their life where they can rebel, like it's too dangerous for them to have an obliger rebellion at work because they could get fired or it's too, you know, they don't feel like they could have obliger rebellion at home for whatever reason. Sometimes obliger rebellion will turn to the self. And then there's almost like this punishing thing that can happen where it's like, not only am I not doing it, but I'm like going to go deep into the other way. And it does sometimes for people take the form of a health behavior. And, you know, food is emotional, as Melissa, you've, you know, you, know, you um, talk about so beautifully. And, and so I think for some obligers, it's like, if you see this happening in yourself, say, you know, maybe my what I'm rebelling against is happening elsewhere in my life. I'm feeling exploited or taken advantage of elsewhere. Let me protect this kind of behavior and create outer accountability for myself and try to have that obliger rebellion happening in a place where it can really help me by relieving me of expectations, not directing it at myself because that's not helping me. That is so important. My best friend from back East is an obliger and she and I talk about her obliger rebellions all the time. And usually what happens is it's it's because she's not setting boundaries in her personal life. Yeah. She is, you know, allowing others to kind of take advantage of her or she's not expressing her feelings. And then it turns into rebellion in areas that actually are really important to her and matter. So yeah. we've discussed, you know, you're exactly right. Looking for other areas in your life in which you feel like 
you know, you're meeting these outer expectations to your own detriment and setting boundaries there in a way that feels healthy so that you can honor the commitments to yourself that are really important to you. Yeah, I think I met your friend when we did our event in Cambridge together a couple of years ago. Wasn't she there? She was there and she asked this very yes. same question. Yes, absolutely. We talked about this. And yes, and, and the way you put it is so perfect in that it's like, let this be something that is helpful to you and not something that prevents you from doing something else that's important to you. Absolutely. Okay, Jen. So if you're listening, which of course you are, there's a reminder from me and Gretchen. All right, let's move into the last tendency, the rebels. The rebels are perhaps the most like confounding tendency because for someone like me, I'm like, okay, if someone else doesn't want you to do it and like you're rebelling against my orders, I understand that. There's a piece of me that gets that. But if you want to do something and you're rebelling against your own desires, that is so confusing to me. Talk about rebels on the Whole30 and how rebels who really want to do the program can make it work. Well, you're exactly right. And this is often very frustrating for rebels themselves because they'll, like, I remember a rebel saying to me, like, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and say, I'm giving up bread. And then like two hours later, I go out and buy a loaf of sourdough bread and, re- and, and, and eat the whole thing because I'm not going to impose a rule on myself. So how does a rebel do something like Whole30? Well, you hinted at this earlier um, before the break where you were, sometimes rebels get very excited about a challenge. Like, you know what? People think that a rebel like me couldn't do Whole30. You know what? Watch me. Um, Because often that challenge and that desire to all show you, Mm -hmm. I want to prove myself um, or I want to challenge myself. Like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to run a marathon this year. Um, I'm going to do a whole, you know, I've been talking about Whole30 for years. This is the year I'm going to do it. I'm like starting next month. I'm going to go all the way. That can often be very exciting to rebels. But another thing that's very exciting to rebels and is one of their highest values is identity. So it's like they want to live up to their identity. You're not doing a whole 30 because you're supposed to. You're not doing a whole 30 because your spouse is doing it. You're not doing a whole 30 because your doctor tells you that you need to eat healthier. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it because you're a healthy, vital person who respects your body. And this is what you want to do. Or you're a person who's always interested in trying out like the most cutting edge scientific trends. This is a quick, easy way. This is, this is, this is the answer. This is what I want. This yeah. is the life I choose. That's so true. The way I usually describe or the way I talk to the rebels about the Whole30 is that the Whole30 is the most counterculture, stick yeah. it to the man program yeah. you can try, right? Yeah. The man wants you focused on weight loss. The man tells yeah. you that like the skinnier you are, the healthier you are. The man wants you to restrict and to deprive and, and to not self-experiment just to let someone tell you what to eat for the rest of your life. And the most rebellious thing you can do is say, nope, I'm going to do this self-experiment. I'm going to figure it out for myself and I'm going to create my own rules based on what I've learned. Absolutely. I'm going to create, I'm going to create my own um, reality. And another way kind of about that is like, oh, the big food companies are trying to trick us with their like Mm -hmm. campaigns and their, you know, their processed foods and like, you know, every, they're, they're making it so available. Like I can't walk out, you know, out of the gas station without buying a bag of whatever. Um, Right. But they can't fool me. They can't chain me. They can't keep me addicted to this or that because I'm free. I decide what I want. Um, yeah. So if you are a rebel and you're doing the Whole30 and you find yourself rebelling against your own desire to complete the program, what's yep. a strategy you can use to kind of keep you on track? Well, one thing is to tie back into that identity. I want to show myself what I can do. People think I can't do it. I think I can't do it. Well, I can. People say that a rebel can't stick to rules for themselves. Well, I'm the kind of rebel who can stick to the rules for myself. 
and, and it's also just the identity of like, I wanted to see what I could get from this. You know, I want to get what I want. And the way that I get what I want is I go all the way. And then at different points, I can reevaluate. But, um, you know, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. But um, you're the boss of you. If you want to quit, you can quit. Then you're a quitter, you know. Um, but if you want to quit, you can because no one can tell you what to do. You are the boss of you. And if you decide it's not right for you, then that's who you are. Um, it's totally within your control. This is if you have the time and the inclination to do it. I, lo- I think I'm going to steal that last line, which is like, okay, Rebel, you don't want to finish the whole 30? Don't. You'll be a quitter. Yeah. But go ahead and quit <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> All right. So this has been such an incredible discussion. I think everybody, whether you're new to the Whole30 or a Whole30 alumni looking to do the program again, or just if you're trying to continue your Whole30 habits in your food freedom, will be able to take something away from this discussion and be able to better uphold your promises to yourself. At the end of every show, Gretchen, I will ask everyone, what's one piece of advice you can share with our listeners who are ready to do the thing? Well, my piece of advice is something that I started seeing when I wrote my book, The Happiness Project. And then with everything that I've done, is that I think a lot of times people think, well, there's one best way to do something. There's one right way. There's one most efficient way. And I should just do that instead of saying, what kind of person are you? When do you succeed best? Like, how do we set this up in the way that's right for you? If you're a morning person, get up and exercise first thing in the morning. If you're a night person, take that into account. Maybe you need to exercise during your lunch hour or after it. And, and with something like the Whole30, you might say, well, there's this is one program. It's one program, but you can do this in the way that's right for you. You can frame it in the way that works for you. And that's going to allow you to be more effective. Um, A lot of times people are like, something's wrong with me. I can't use a to-do list. I can't stick to something on the calendar. I can't keep my promises to myself. There's nothing wrong with you. You can say, well, what kind of person am I? How do I succeed? How do I suit this to me rather than try to jam myself into someone else's um, picture of what a person should look like? What a perfect end to this conversation. Gretchen, where can people take the quiz to determine their tendency and connect with you and learn more about all of your books and podcasts and, and materials? Well, I love to connect with listeners and viewers and readers. So um, look me up everywhere. Connect however you like. I love insights and observations and questions. Um, I have a website, GretchenRubin.com, and that's a clearinghouse. For, I've got more there than anybody would ever want about happiness and good habits and human nature, outer order inner calm, the four tendencies. Um, If you want to take the quiz, it's a free quiz. um, quiz Quiz.gretchenrubin.com. They're like 11 questions. It's very quick. Um, I have a podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And then I'm on social media. Just my handle is Gretchen Rubin on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And um, again, I got a ton of resources um, for anybody who wants to learn more um, or, you know, read sample chapters, listen to audio clips, anything like that. Fantastic. We'll make sure to include all of those links in our show notes because people are going to want to connect with you on every available platform. Trust me. (laughs) Gretchen, thank you so much for being on Do The Thing and talking about the four tendencies and the whole 30. It's been so fun. It made me so happy to come on. Thanks so much. And congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for making me part of the Onward Project. I'm so excited to be part of your podcast series. Thanks for joining me today on Do The Thing. You can continue the conversation with me at Melissa underscore Hartwig on Instagram and visit whole30.com slash podcast for today's show notes and bonus content. 
If you have a question for Dear Melissa or a topic idea for the show, leave me a voicemail at 321-209-1480. Do the Thing is part of the Onward Project, a family of podcasts brought together by Gretchen Rubin, all about how to make your life better. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Happier in Hollywood. Finally, before you leave, please subscribe, leave a review, and invite your friends to do the thing. See you next week. From the Onward Project.